Art of Time Ensemble presents Dance to the Abyss at Harborfront Center Theater, February 23rd to the 25th. Step back in time to the 1920s and immerse yourself in the decadent world of the Weimar Republic. Join us for a night of cabaret and jazz-inspired songs as we explore the music that once defined an era on the brink of catastrophe, featuring the work of Jewish composers Erwin Schulhoff, Misha Spolansky, and musicians Wallace Holiday, Kevin Turcott, Andrew Barashko, Drew Jareka, and more. Tickets on sale now at harborfrontcenter.com. Use promo code CABARET25 to receive 25% off your tickets. So I want to take a picture of the outside. I'm just letting you know, just to warn you, just FYI, out of courtesy, so you don't get nervous, okay? Thank you, we appreciate it. And that's what it sounded like yesterday when I went to the constituency office in Thornhill of MP Melissa Lansman. She's the deputy leader of Canada's Conservative Party and a proud, outspoken supporter of Israel. Her office staff told me they were closed because earlier on Wednesday they found the glass storefront papered with at least seven posters, saying things like, Stop arming Israel, blood on your hands, fund UNRWA now. One poster blamed Israel for blowing up all the hospitals in Gaza, another for killing 13,000 civilians, including 5,000 children. Another sign said, Jews of Thornhill, our children will ask us what we did to stop the genocide in Gaza. What will we tell them? And they had symbols on the bottom. One was a dove, one was a stylized Hebrew letter Aleph, and one was a Star of David. Now, all the posters were gone when I arrived. The York Regional Police had taken them away as evidence in their investigation. But Lansman's office remained closed for the safety of the staff, Lansman told me in a phone interview. Lansman wasn't in town when it happened. She's in Ottawa attending to parliamentary business. She told me the mobs will not silence her voice against the, quote, genocidal, homicidal, sadistic death cult of Hamas, who killed 1,200 Israelis and took hundreds more hostage, unquote. Lansman blames the Liberal government for letting the mob rule. And she says the Hamas message of killing Jews has been allowed to flourish in Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's Canada, with deafening silence, she says, from every leader in his cowardly government, unquote. To be fair, Trudeau and some of his Liberal MPs have condemned Monday's Mount Sinai hospital protest, including Toronto MP Marco Mendocino, who represents a riding where a lot of Jewish voters live. This was him rising in the House of Commons Tuesday, speaking out about the hospital protest. Ironically, this sacred ground of healing was the target of an anti-Semitic protest that undermined the health and safety of the patients and medical professionals who work there. The hatred must come to an end. The attacks against synagogues, schools, businesses and neighbourhoods must stop. But the- After that protest at the hospital, which Toronto police are still investigating, Many in the Jewish community feel targeting Lansman's office was equally out of bounds and anti-Semitic because she's Jewish. But was it or is it just a basic constitutional right to protest? You shut down one freedom, it affects a lot of people in a lot of situations well into the future and it sets a dangerous precedent. Similar to the kinds of shutdown of freedoms that we have seen in Quebec that are affecting many different religious minorities including very much the Jewish community. And that's why we have to be vigilant, and that's why we have to stand up and protect that fabric, that tapestry of rights and freedoms that are all part of that package. 
I'm Ellen Besner, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like for Thursday, February the 15th, 2024. Welcome to the CJN Daily, a podcast of the Canadian Jewish News, sponsored by Metropia. The latest figures from Toronto Police show officers have had to manage over 300 protests since October the 7th, exponentially more than any other Canadian cities experienced as police balance public safety concerns with people's legal rights to free speech and free assembly. Joining me now is Noah Mendelssohn-Aviv. She's executive director and chief counsel for the Canadian Civil Liberties Association. I'm also joined by my colleague Lila Sarek. She's the CJN's news editor who led the first part of our interview, which we recorded before this week's incidents. So what I wanted to obviously talk about is the... um the protests on, on Avenue Road and, and the police chief's ban on that particular protest. As far as the CCLA is, is concerned, is that was the chief's decision an overreach? Did he go too far? What we heard the police chief announce is a total ban on all lo- lawful protest and on gatherings of any kind on that overpass ongoing, which is very concerning from the perspective of fundamental rights and freedoms under the Charter. Why Why is it concerning? So, you know, in a, in a free and democratic society, the question is the opposite. In a free and democratic society, the guarantees for freedom of expression, peaceful assembly, lawful protest are the default measure. These are rights and freedoms that every person is entitled to and is guaranteed to us. And if authorities, including police, seek to limit those rights and freedoms, the onus is on them to justify it, to demonstrate that there is a need, and to limit the right as little as possible in order to try and uphold the fundamental rights and freedoms while they are also balancing that against, you know, other factors that may come in, such as flow of traffic, such as individual and community safety, all of which are also important things that they have to balance. So the community I know has said they feel that this was an anti-Semitic protest, that this is a neighborhood where Jewish people live. This is not a place where Israeli policy is decided. They should go down to the consulate. So how do you balance that concern about intimidation and and anti-Semitism with um, the freedom of expression. We are not in the business of commenting on the content of expression, except to say that there are legal and criminal prohibitions against certain kinds of speech, uh, such as uttering threats, such as incitement to violence, vandalism is unlawful, and police have a duty to um to enforce the law, to uphold the law, to protect communities who are subject to, um, you know, crime of any kind, including that expression. My understanding is that protests of this nature are taking place on that bridge, but also in a number of other locations over the highway in Toronto, in Vaughan, in... Halton, you know, right, right, right across the GTA and beyond, and you know, the choice of an overpass is a highly visible spot over a highway 
makes sense. The, the purpose of protesters is to be heard and to have their voices heard. And again, it's not our place to question why people want to express their opinions. It is the duty of our society to ensure that we protect those rights and freedoms unless there is a demonstrable need to shut it down. And if so, as little as possible. So one of the things, for example, that could be contemplated, I've heard about, you know, traffic being backed up along the 401. It may be, you know, we, we, and we do, we have, we have roads that get shut down for the Santa Claus parade, the entire downtown. We have roads that get shut down for the Toronto Marathon. We have, you know, protest is also an important facet of Canadian society, that right of expressive freedom, even if we don't agree with the content of every form of protest that happens. And there are strong disagreements, and for good reason. So if we get to the point of saying this disruption is more than is acceptable and that the balance is off, that, that at some point we do have to allow for the flow of traffic as well, there are still more limited ways in which that could happen. Rush hour usually only happens in one direction. So perhaps the protest could be limited to the sidewalks or to one lane, or perhaps to certain hours or perhaps to certain numbers. So I think there are ways of managing things that don't involve total and complete ban, like the one that the Toronto police created last Thursday. And one of the things the police have said is that it's dangerous to, you know, hang banners off the highway, you know, and if a flag dropped on a car, it would have been a terrible thing. Mm. Would it have been okay then if instead of just saying this one overpass is not okay, if all the overpasses were, they said, it's too dangerous to the cars underneath, no overpasses at all. Would that have been more acceptable in a way? Police have to evaluate what is in fact a public safety and a road safety concern. I've personally driven on the 401 many times and seen people hanging flags and banners of different kinds to commemorate and mark different occasions. I'm not aware of that, but I think if there is a public and road safety concern, then absolutely that's something that police have a responsibility to attend to. But no, I, I'm not advocating a total ban in greater number of locations. <laughs> Don't take half measures when it comes to home security. Alarms and cameras work, but they'll only tell you that your worst nightmare just came true. Safety Screen by Metalex for windows and doors will keep your family safe and sound with real stopping power. They can't be cut, pried, or bashed in, so you can enjoy carefree ventilation in the spring and fall with peace of mind. And protect your fixed windows and doors with rock glass, an absolutely unbreakable clear covering. Call 416-638-2539 or visit metalexsecurity.com to book your free consultation. That's M-E-T-A-L-E-X security.com. Remember, prevention is always better than the cure. Another question I have is um, James Pasterak, who's the city councillor for Syria, who's not a lawyer. He's talking in general about the protests, not just on Avenue Road, but the protests outside Cafe Landrier and Aroma and, and a lot of that. He says, this is not charter protected speech. This is hate speech, but he's not a lawyer. So the question is, is it charter protected speech? Are there things that people can protest and say? Um, is he right? The courts have defined speech very broadly as expressive content, including things that they justify and a speech that can be outlawed. But it, it, it remains expression and it remains expression 
that engages the charter. And then under section one of the charter, a limit on that expression might be justified, right? So the only kind of expression that is the courts have said is not speech and doesn't engage the charter is violence. If you punch somebody in the nose, you're expressing something and the courts don't see that as expression. But if you uh, utter a threat, that is expressive content, that is speech, and our criminal code bans it. And I think most people would agree that that kind of ban is justified. And the charter allows for those kinds of minimally impairing limits on freedom of expression where it is necessary and justifiable. You look very confused, Ellen. Can I help you out here? Am I just am I just using too many words? Are we trying to- no, I'm trying to understand. Thank you for noticing. I was trying to understand, you know, I've been thinking about the truckers and I remember when you intervened there, your organization intervened there. What do you think we intervened on? Because there's been a lot of confusion about that. So I can help you out maybe. I think about the Emergencies Act being brought down, was it not? Yes, it was. So we did not, in in that situation, we actually didn't speak about, we spoke very generally about why protest is important and the right to protest is important. But we didn't, there too, we didn't comment about the content of the speech. We noted that there had been, you know, harassment and uh, even some assaults of marginalized, racialized communities and that those needed police protection. And, And here too, where there are incidents of violence, aggression, uh, police have a responsibility to protect the public and to protect communities. And that is one of the very important roles that they play. We just want to make sure that they remember and the public remembers that police also have a responsibility to protect fundamental rights and freedoms as well. So in the in the Emergencies Act situation, the the main reason that we got involved was the use of emergency laws that are dangerous to democracy that go well beyond the conversation that we're having today and that have massive repercussions and set a a very worrying precedent. In this case, we're talking about police having these multiple responsibilities to protect individual and community safety, which is extremely important, to ensure the flow of traffic while also understanding that some protest is going to be disruptive and that public spaces are used for protest. And that is one of the important things that happens in a free and democratic society. And finally, to protect and uphold fundamental rights and freedoms. It's an important voice always to have to remember when police do things to respond to political pressure or not. It's always important to have a voice to say, whoa, is this too much. And I appreciate what you're saying. It's not going to win a lot of friends in the current climate because people are fed up and they're scared and they yeah. feel right. And our listeners and our readers, especially like Lila lives there. I don't know if you live in the neighborhood, but it's been personally very, very targeting for people. So, I mean, how do you deal with the pushback from this position? Yeah, I think that it is critically important that police fulfill their duty to communities that are targeted for crime, for violence, even for vandalism and other acts of aggression. There is no question that that is a very important responsibility that police have to meet with the Jewish community in this case and with and with other communities in other circumstances. I guess what I'm also concerned about though, maybe not concerned, I think I think the point is that 
marginalized communities and minority groups, again, including the Jewish community, need freedom of expression, need the right to protest in order to uphold those groups' rights. The Human Rights Code that protects the right to equality was one through people pushing for it and creating pressure to ensure that what what had existed in Canada before, which was lawlessness when it came to discrimination, it, it used to be lawful to put up a, a note saying, we want girls in our typing pool, we want men to do our sales. It used to be lawful in this country to say, no Jews allowed in stores. Law gets changed. Minority groups protect their rights through freedom of expression, through criticism of government, through dissent, through protest. There is a reason why we need these rights and freedoms as part of the package towards a greater push for democracy, equality, justice, fairness for all people. And minority groups in particular need that because we don't have the majority voice that is making the decisions in the halls of power. And some people have called them radicals. I don't believe that. But in history, they were called radicals and they got women's suffragettes. And I mean, very important gay rights, gay marriage, things like that. And I 100% agree with you. But these are for domestic laws in Canada that need to be changed, domestic policies, domestic um Supreme Court rulings, uh, abortion, this is a domestic issue. When it comes to protests in Canada against Jewish people who have nothing to do with the conflict in Gaza, that's when how do you apply this legislation, which is, you know, the charter and the human rights laws in each province and and in the Canadian Human Rights Charter to these kinds of protests where, for example, this has nothing to do with whether, you know, I'm a Jewish business in Toronto, Right. So, I mean, I think I think the first question is about content and the second is about location that I think you're asking. And in terms of content, it's going to get very dangerous if we put it in the hands of majoritarian government to decide which content is allowed and which content isn't allowed. If people want to protest about things that are happening in Canada, partially in Canada and other parts of the world... Do we want our governments controlling which speech is okay and which speech isn't okay? If we if we want to talk about climate change that is happening in many places around the world, you know, is that lawful? So again, I think I think when it comes to the content of speech, it would be very dangerous to say that government should be deciding which content is okay and which content isn't. We can all understand how badly that slippery slope could go. and how easy it would be to determine that certain things are out of bounds and what that would do to minority voices and to dissenting voices and to unpopular voices, even if they have important things to say. In terms of location, again, I mean, leaving aside the question that these protests are happening in multiple different locations across the GTA and beyond, it is not my job as a person to justify that I have the right to protest or to express my opinion in a free and democratic society. It is the job of government or police or or whatever official agency to justify why it's necessary, demonstrably necessary to shut it down. And uncomfortable feelings would probably not amount to a demonstrated reason, concerns about 
actual aggression or violence may well be something that justify our response in a particular moment. But to the best of my understanding, there have been no arrests, no charges, no indication that that has happened in relation to the protests. Well, that's wrong because there have been there have been arrests. But anyway, that's well. The arrests that I've heard about have been in relation to, and and perhaps I'm missing. I'm not up to date. But from what I have heard, the arrests in relation to the protest in that particular location have been one utterance of a threat. Police were there. They had a presence as they should to ensure public and community safety, and they took care of it. Uh, no, but there were two or three others this weekend. And the two or three others this weekend were for mischief and obstruction, which sound like the arrests were for people protesting, not for committing acts of violence or aggression. Low-hanging fruit, as uh, James Pastner likes to call it. Or if you put it differently, if you if you create a, a, a rule saying that you can't be in a certain place and then you arrest somebody for being in that place... It's difficult to see that as a justification for the rule in the first place, right? Don't throw rocks at this sign. <laughs> and that's what we mean by demonstrably necessary, right? Demonstrable justification. And I I understand that these are very um, contentious times. Emotions are running extremely high. I understand that there are concerns on every side. And that's why it becomes all the more necessary for us to maintain a clear perspective on the many rights and freedoms that form the fabric of the free and democratic and just and equal society that we all want to live in. And we need all of our rights and freedoms in order to have that. You've kind of gotten at this. The question is just that, what would you say to the Jewish community today? And you talk about how it's important for especially all the more so for minorities to have freedom of expression when the Jewish community feels that, you know, this is being turned against them. What message would you specifically have for the Jewish community to explain to them, not in the past when there were signs about them Jews allowed, but today, why they, why you might, why this expression is all the more important to them as a minority group? Well, aside from the fact that history repeats itself, uh, aside from the fact that there are no guarantees about what things could look like in the future. I would say that nasty offensive speech has been said against many different groups, but that it remains a critical piece of the fabric of rights and freedoms that protects the safety, the equality, the rights of minority and marginalized groups more than not more than not having it, right? The world is not perfect. There is no there is no perfect solution. But banning speech and moving away from a human rights, civil liberties world does not make minority groups more protected. So one last question that occurs to me is, would we see the CCLA challenging this ban in any legal way, in any legal form? I mean, we're looking at all of our options, so we don't have anything we could talk about at this moment. Good stuff. Thank you so much for uh, giving us your time here at the CJN and the CJN Daily. Absolutely. And, and happy to do it again. And that's what Jewish Canada sounds like for this episode of the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. Integrity, community, quality, and customer care. Melissa Lansman's office in Thornhill is just the latest such incident since October the 7th. In fact, nearly all nine federal Jewish members of parliament have been targeted, including Anthony Housefather's office, Rochelle Bendayan's, Ben Carr, Marty Morantz's, Julie Dabrzin, and Yara Sachs. 
But non-Jewish politicians who represent ridings with Jewish voters have also been on the list. Two days earlier, the staff at Ontario MPP, Laura Smith's Thornhill constituency office, came to work to find the front of their office with anti-Israel posters. Sarah Zeldman Novak works at Israel's Judaica. It's a book and gift store right next door to Lansman's office. She definitely feels nervous. I mean, we upgraded our security just to, just to be safe. And of course, we're being more vigilant and keeping an eye out. And yeah, it's for sure on our minds. Why did the protesting at the hospital bother you? More because they're starting to um, affect public buildings and do things to public places. and spe- Like doing um, rallies and protests are, you know, speaking your rights and I are one thing. I'm not, but when you start to plaster and touch other private property, to me, that's a different level. And what would you want done, if anything? More security. Security, I mean, certainly, and, you know, prosecution if, uh, if they catch the people who are, who are doing it. Thanks for listening to the CJN Daily.